Hello everyone, I hope today is treating you well. Very cold outside again, once again, just like just like last week, and it looks like we might have some weather rolling in uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, so uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow as far as class tomorrow night. I don't think it's supposed to uh, amount to a whole lot, so hopefully we'll be able to get together. Um, we're going to be looking at today is a summary of the passage we covered last Wednesday night. That was February 16th. And we took a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. We're still in this discussion about meat sacrifice to idols. Although, in the midst of this, um, Paul kind of wanders just a little bit and covers a variety of other subjects, as we already seen have seen in chapter 9. But it's still under the... Um, under the, kind of the heading of, of meat sacrifice to idols, and we'll get back into that in more detail before we're done. But that being said, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13, Paul will kind of take a look back upon history and encourage um, his readers to learn from the examples of history, in particular, um, the poor examples of, of the fathers um, in history. And we'll, we'll get more into that here in just a second. First of all, let's give you an opportunity to read that. Um, you can press pause and read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. Um, we'll get back together in just a second. Okay, um, let's get into it here. Uh, the first three or four verses of, of the chapter, um, he draws some comparisons between um, the fathers, uh, Israel fathers, if you will, and um and his readers of today. Now, one thing we do need to keep in mind, a, a significant portion of the church in Corinth was was not Jewish, uh, meaning uh, Jews who had who had become followers of Jesus Christ. Um, so when you're dealing with a significant portion of Gentiles, it's interesting that, that Paul does not specify between the Jews of the, the church and the Gentiles. He says to all of them, our fathers and and what we need to to realize in that is that even though um, we most of us are Gentiles ourselves uh, we still look back upon um, the history of Israel as a part of our heritage through Jesus Christ I mean this is the reason when we were very young, many of us started singing the song Father Abraham. Um, through Christ, uh, he is our father. And in, in Romans, Paul speaks about this, how we have been grafted into uh, the family of God through Jesus Christ. And, um, and through that, um, the, 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 the Israelite heritage um, finds its fulfillment through Christ and through the church. So anyway, all that being said, so I, I just want us to understand when we read this, this is not just him speaking to the Jews of the church in Corinth. He's speaking to the Jews and the Gentiles in the church in Corinth, as well as us today. So um, these first few verses, he just kind of draws um, an example of what the Israelites went through, how they went through the Red Sea, um, how Moses led them, how they ate of the manna, how they drank of, of the water miraculously that came from the rock. Um, and you can read all about that in Exodus and, um, and Numbers. And 
he, by doing this, uh, uh, talks uh, just specifically makes a comparison between Israel of that time and the church of today. They, they were baptized into Moses, which is very much a figurative thing, into his leadership, you know. Um, we are baptized into Christ, uh, and, and they, they had spiritual food, the manna, and spiritual drink, the water. Um, we have spiritual food through uh, communion. And he, he teaches about all of these things within this very letter. Chapter 1, he talks all about baptism, saying you weren't baptized into Paul, you weren't baptized into Paulus or Peter, you're baptized into Christ. Um, and then, as we will see tomorrow in our subject um, that we will cover in next in, in 1 Corinthians 10, he's going to talk specifically about communion. So, what he's doing is he's saying, look, we are kind of this new Israel, and we need to learn from the example of those in the past. And um, in verse 5, he says, even after them being baptized, even after meaning Israel, after them partaking of the spiritual food, the spiritual drink, he says, even after all of this, God was not pleased with all of them. Um, and it was a significant portion, um, a majority that uh, of the group. Everyone that came out of Egypt of military age or older, they were not permitted to enter the promised land. It was their children who would enter the promised land because of because the the fathers they disobeyed. And then he will go through a number of examples that you can read about from Exodus and from Numbers, specifically of the ways in which they tested God. Uh, and without going into a whole lot of detail, um, we're going to speak specifically to the things that would speak specifically to the church there in Corinth. In verses 7 and 8, he says, Don't be idolaters like those fathers. Don't act immorally like those fathers. And this is something that would very much speak to the people of Corinth, because remember, we've talked very much about their cultural setting, how their was their city was the center of worship for Aphrodite, and and the temple for Aphrodite was there, and the way in which they would worship would be to go to that temple, to feast in that temple, to quote unquote play in that temple, mean perform immoral acts with temple prostitutes. And he says, do not do these things. And then beyond that, he continues to move on in verses 9 um, and 10 about the way in which uh, Israel grumbled against God. It seems like that was the only thing that, 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 generation that came out of Egypt could do consistently was to grumble against God. Boy, I wish we were back in Egypt. It was so much better back there. Boy, they did not have very good memories. And and they tested the patience of God again and again and again. And they were punished again and again and again. Um, in verse 11, we see something here very specific. He says, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages has come. You see, the New Testament era, which we are still living in today, by the way, that is the era of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, um, that era was the fulfillment of, of so much of the Old Testament examples and signs. And there is a pattern when you look to the Old Testament, more specifically a pattern of those fathers who came out of Egypt who were not allowed to go into the promised land because of their disobedience. And this is what the pattern looked like. There was 
divine revelation. God showed himself. That was followed by human disobedience, and that was followed by divine judgment. And what Paul is telling the people of Corinth to do is to learn from this and to not make the same mistakes that were made by those in Israel at that time. Now, remember, we are talking about this subject of meat sacrifice to idols over over all of this discussion. And in his, I, I think the reason, part of the reason he brings this up is that He's telling them that meat does not make one defiled. You eat it, it comes into your body, it goes out of your body. It does not defile you. But he does not want them to misunderstand and think that that means that they can go to the temples of, of, of false god worship. These temples were immorality and indecency and idolatry was practiced and say, you can participate in those things like you used to do. You cannot do this any longer. Um, and what he wants them to understand, you see, see, Corinth, as we know by now, had a very much a pride issue. They probably thought, well, I can go into that situation and be just fine. It's not going to bother me in any way whatsoever. And this is what he tells them. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. You know what the best human defense for falling, and by falling I mean by failing morally, um, it is humility. To have the understanding that we are capable of failing, of falling, and ending up on our faces is one of the best defenses that to keep that from happening. And then he follows this with what might be one of the most powerful verses, practically speaking, for day-to-day life of the Christian man or woman. Speaking of a man, because that's what I am, this is a powerful verse, but I think it is probably quite powerful for women as well. And this is one to underline in your Bible, to memorize, because this can help us if we will allow it. And this is the verse. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. We need to understand when we face times of temptation that we are not alone. Um, There are others who have faced this. There are others who have fallen, unfortunately. There are those who have overcome. And when we face temptation, we can never think, boy, this is, nobody's faced anything like this before. I've got it really tough here. No, it is a common thing. And God always, always provides a way of escape in the midst of temptation. Um, And sometimes, let's not, let's just be honest, sometimes the best way of escape is not to be in the place of temptation in the first place. It's to completely avoid it so that we don't have to look for a way of escape because we don't get ourselves into that place. Um, now, some might wonder, this this seems kind of strange, thinking, does, does God test his people? Yes, God does test his people. And you might say, well, what about James chapter 1 that speaks to the fact that God does not tempt anyone, but we are tempted by our own lusts, our own desires? Um, what this comes down to is that is speaking in a context of, of temptation setting us up for failure. God tests his people, but in a different way, not to hope or help them to fail, but to help them overcome and grow. Um, So all of this being said, um, Paul gets very, very practical here. 
um, as I've already mentioned, underline chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians verse 13 and memorize that. Get that in your mind because we all need that um, because in this lifetime we will face temptation. Now one day when we get to go home and spend eternity with God, that will be a thing of the past and I for one very much look forward to that. Okay, that will be it for today. Um, It is Tuesday. February 22nd, so Wednesday is tomorrow, February 23rd. We will be covering chapter 10, verses 14 through 22. And um, in these particular verses, we're going to take a look at communion. Um, and Paul's going to give probably what is the most um, most used instruction when it comes to communion um, and how we practice it, in, and quite possibly the whole New Testament. So that will be that will be something very good for us to take a look at. Again, class will be tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Hopefully, the weather holds off. We'll be able to get together. If you haven't joined us in class before, we would absolutely love to have you. We have a meal at six o'clock and classes for all ages to follow. Um, have a good evening. And um, if you got to be on the roads tonight, tomorrow, next couple days, um, and they do get a little slick out there, you be careful. And um, hope to see you soon. Thank you. For, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>